Good Friday morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning for our Good Friday uh, service. Typically, every year, we plan to gather together with area churches, and we have the privilege of hosting that, and we have a full house, and it is often uh, a lovely time for Christians uh, throughout the Collingwood area anyway to gather together in a single place. And I wanted to let you know that we tried to do that again this year, but we had difficulty with the technology. So we had some different uh, video readings and stuff that were lined up, but uh, the quality with transmission and, and different things didn't work out. So we opted to just have a very simple uh, communion service this morning. So we're glad that you're, that you're with us. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity right now to um, make sure that you have the elements that you're going to need for communion uh, in a few minutes. And that would just be to have, some, to have some juice and some bread available. And we are going to invite you to serve one another. Uh, if, you're, um, if you're as a family to serve one another, if you're as a couple or even as an individual, know that we are all doing this together. So as we're serving one another, as we're taking this on our own, it's as if we are all together in the same room and serving one another. So you can make sure that you've got those ready. For our time together this morning, uh, in a moment, Steve is going to read some scripture for us. Uh, Obviously, this is done ahead of time because he's not here with me. Uh, He is going to read scripture. We have a short uh, video for you to watch. And then I have a devotion based on Hebrews 10. And then we will share in communion together. And uh, we'll include some prayer in that as well. So uh, I'm going to invite you to pray with me now. And then we will let Steve um, lead us in the reading of scripture. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love upon the hard wood of the cross. So that everyone might come within reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your Holy Spirit today so that we too can reach forth our hands in love and bring all those who do not know you into the knowledge and the love of you. We gather together today to remember. We gather together today to reflect. And we gather together today out of obedience to what you've called us to, to be your people and to remember you as Savior and Lord and to live our lives in such a way. So as we share in communion today, as we center ourselves around you, with you as the focal point, may that be an act that actually is lived out every single day for us, that together we can encourage each other to keep you in the center of our lives, the center of our community, the center of our faith. We're glad to be here today. We worship you, the crucified Lord. Amen. Good morning. Some beautiful words from the book of Hebrews about the identity of our Lord Jesus. This is chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, 
yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is chapter 5, verses 7 to 9. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. That's a good word for us, why we call it Good Friday. I suspect uh, when I woke up this morning, I looked outside and just kind of went, ugh. So I suspect right now that you are probably grateful that it's an online service this morning because you didn't have to get up, you didn't go outside, you didn't have to clean off the car, Uh, You didn't have to come and walk through the mushy parking lot um, and worry about your shoes. You just get to be there and enjoy the warmth of home. Uh, In fact, I suspect that uh, some of you are probably uh, under a blanket right now because you're not enjoying what it's like outside. Well, I'm hoping that I can share just a few words uh, on, uh, on this Good Friday morning for our encouragement and to just keep us focused on what Christ has done. Uh, Steve read for us from Hebrews chapter 4, and I want to read for us from Hebrews chapter 10. And just to set this up, uh, the author is, uh, is bringing us back to how we can approach God because of what Jesus has done. And he's comparing the old covenant or the old way of living to the new covenant that is now through Jesus or a new way of living. And I'm going to begin at verse 16 in Hebrews chapter 10. So let me read this for us. The author writes this, and he's quoting from the Old Testament. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus, By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. 
the author to this book that called the book of Hebrews is really taking everything from uh, that the Old Testament is leading up to pointing to Jesus and then connecting it with what Jesus does leading into the New Testament. It's kind of bridging these two worlds. And so the author's talking about an old covenant and he's comparing it with the new covenant. And you can read about this further in, in chapter nine and through chapter 10, just to get better perspective. Sometimes when we read this, particularly if you have uh, been a Christian for a while, you've grown up in church and you read these passages, you think about the old covenant and you automatically think about what it's talking about here. The sacrificial system that the Jewish people had right up until and then not long after the time of Christ until the destruction of the temple in AD 70. And so when you hear about the old system, you think, yeah, that's that old system where they killed animals and and spread their blood all over everything. Well, we don't need to do that anymore. So I now live under the new way of living, which is what the author is talking about. But I wanted to help us see that when we look to the cross, there is a daily journey of embracing what Jesus has done for us and letting go of that old covenant. See, within each of us, there's still this propensity or something ingrained within us to want to live out the actions of that old covenant. Or I talk about an old way of living compared to the new way of living in Jesus. And what the author is saying is that the old way of living that we are still accustomed to, which is all about um, Becoming acceptable through, uh, through merit, through, through earning, through, through our position, through our allegiance, that somehow there are certain things that we have to do to be acceptable to God or to be worthy to God or to be loved by God. So the old system was using a sacrificial system that involved animals and sacrifice, But that's no longer in place. That doesn't mean we don't still have the temptation to live under that old system. We just have replaced the animals with our own sacrifices, the things that we do that we think make us acceptable to God or that make us lovable for God or that make us worthy. And we are all fighting against that desire to somehow earn our worth or earn God's love for us. And the author is saying, that's the old way of living, and it has to get repeated again and again and again and again. Instead, just realize that what Jesus did at the cross did away with all that. You don't have to live that way anymore. Jesus has done everything that is needed. And in Jesus, you are fully worthy, fully acceptable, fully lovable. God has always loved you. You have always been worthy to God. And what Jesus shows us on the cross is that that is true. And he provides the way for you to now leave that old way of living and live under his new system. And the new system is about what he has done for us. He made that sacrifice. What he did on the cross through his death, through shedding his blood, actually um, restores God and humanity forever. Like the video said, one act, one day, changes all of eternity. And the author is is saying that when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. 
So the invitation is to no longer live under that old way of living. Instead, approach God freely in the new covenant. And so he's talking about this new covenant. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, I don't, I don't live that way. I live fully with Christ, and, and Jesus has done everything that I need, and, and I'm living that every day of my life. And I want to say, wonderful. But I also want to ask you a question. How often do you find yourself comparing your life to that of somebody else? And you look around, and you see somebody that you know, or maybe somebody that you don't know, and you see the way they're behaving, and you think, Ah, I'm not like that person. And you somehow have this sense that you have more worth or more value because of the way you live compared to them. Or you see somebody else and you find yourself feeling depressed or discouraged because you're not like them and you think they're more lovable, they are more worthy. Every time you do that, it's just evidence that there's still some escape to be had from that old way of living. And I think that's why Jesus, when he was calling people to himself, he said, when you come to me, that is an act that you do every single day to choose to let go of that old way of living and to live under my new way of living or the new covenant that he has provided for us. And so I, at sometimes I, I want us to be careful that we don't just assume that... Um, we don't need to do any growing. I recognize in, in my own life uh, my propensity to do this. And every day for me is an act of learning and growing into what it means to live wholly surrendered to Jesus and what he has done for me. He is everything I need. Everything. And my life has been a journey of understanding that. And I think the author to Hebrews is trying to help his readers, his listeners, uh, grasp this. You don't have to have Jesus plus something else, plus what you're doing or how you're behaving or how good you're being. It is just Jesus. He is enough. He makes us right with God. He makes us right with each other. He is everything we need. Good Friday, the good news of Good Friday is that Jesus is enough. And we spend our lives learning to go deeper and deeper and deeper into that reality and into that truth. And he just encourages us more and more and cheers us on as we understand and live in that truth and that reality more and more. And so the author's saying we can actually enter into God's presence, into that throne room. Uh, he's using language here that maybe we don't understand, but he's essentially saying because of what Jesus has done, we can approach God confidently. We don't have to approach God with fear or shame or guilt when we come to him through what Jesus has done for us. We actually can walk in confidently because we trust that Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus is the one that we believe him to be. He has done everything that needs to be done for us to be right with God and to be restored with one another, for all of the cosmos to be set right on this course where God will correct it finally and fully. And there's this encouragement as you read through these verses from verse 19 down into 
verse 23, that we can live with hope because God keeps his promise. And the promise is that Jesus is enough, everything that we need. And I don't know about you, but I believe that today, maybe more than any day in a long, long time, there are a whole lot of people who are looking for hope, wanting to know that somehow there's something at the end of all this. And as we watch the news, as you and I watch that news together, as we listen to the radio, as we hear what's happening, there we recognize a lot of people are scared. Maybe you're one of those people. You're scared, you're not sure, and, and you're wondering uh, what, what's at the end of all this. And a day like today, a Good Friday, is about the hope we have in Jesus that God actually is among us. Not that he was among us, he is still among us. And the cross shows us, shows us that there's a God who cares. And he is at work in this world and he is setting this world right. And he invites you and me to come and be with him. And we don't have to approach him fearful that we're not worthy enough, that we haven't done enough good, that we haven't done too many bad things, that we actually just recognize when we receive what Jesus has done for us. Uh, as the author says, our sin is dealt with, our brokenness is dealt with, our, our rebellion is dealt with. And we actually just say, good morning, God. Let's start this day together. And I receive what, what Jesus has done for me. And as you get to the end, the author just says, listen, because this is true, let's motivate each other. Let's encourage each other towards love and good deeds. So we don't do good deeds because we're trying to earn our way or earn our value, earn our keep, become more worthy or more lovable. Those good deeds that we've been talking about for weeks and weeks that many of us are doing now are actually an expression of love and gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. They are a response, not a reaction. And, and we're just encouraged to, to motivate one another to keep doing it. And the author says, encourage each other and don't give up meeting together. Now more than ever, I need you to be a part of my life in community with Jesus at the center. Now more than ever, you need me to be a part of your life with Jesus at the center. The faith community, the Christian community, the followers of Jesus need each other now more than ever. And we are learning this and, and moving into that more and more, that things maybe aren't going to be the same. We have an amazing opportunity to meet together and to remind one another every week when we join together, whether it's online or when we're back in person, that actually we need each other to say Jesus is enough. How are you doing at living in that reality that Jesus is everything you need? Because our propensity is to still keep living in that old system, 
that old covenant. And part of being together is to remind each other that we can live within the new covenant, that new way of living. And just letting Jesus be everything that we need for life, for godliness. So that's my encouragement for us today. Um, I'm going to, uh, to invite you just to catch your breath for a moment. Pray with me and prepare our hearts to share in communion together. Jesus, you are enough. You are enough. You make us right with the Father. You remove our sin. You remove our brokenness. You restore us to one another. You take away our shame. You take away our guilt. And at the cross, you remind us how powerful the love of God is. So this morning as your people, we declare that you are enough. And we will encourage one another and we will motivate one another by being together. By being a community of people that live in the new way of living under Christ. And so as we share in communion this morning, we do that out of obedience to what you've asked us to do, what you've commanded us to do. And that is to remember this sacrifice to show us that we don't have to live in the old way of living. And so we share in the bread this morning and we share in the cup, the juice, the wine as an act of remembering, as an act of worship, as an act of offering ourselves to you and declaring again today that when we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we declare Christ's death until he returns and we declare that you are enough for us to be made right with God. You are enough to show that we are loved, we are worthy, we are forgiven because of you, Jesus. Amen. There are a number of different places where you can read about Jesus having uh, a final supper with the disciples and how the early church practiced the act of communion or the Eucharist. And often you can go to 1 Corinthians 11. You can go through different Gospels. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 22 here today and, and then guide us through uh, sharing and communion together. So in Luke 22, Jesus, uh, we're told, is having a final supper with his disciples before his arrest and his crucifixion. And we read that when the time came, verse 14, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said to them, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he said, take and drink this among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. 
And after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So here's how we're going to share in communion together this morning is we're going to first share with the bread and whatever bread you have, whether it's cracker or a slice of bread or a loaf of bread that you baked. Uh, If there are a, a variety of you in the room, a number of you in the room as family, I want to encourage you to serve one another. And so however you want to do that, take some bread Break it, hold a piece, share it with another person. And when you serve one another, say to each other, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that now. I'll pray and then uh, we'll come back after the bread and then we will do the same thing uh, with the cup. Jesus, we recognize that you gave your body for us. You allowed yourself to be broken, as the author of Isaiah tells us. And so now we serve one another as an act of love to remind each other of your broken body for us. Amen. Serve each other. This bread is the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. Thank you for doing that for each other and taking some time to serve and to reflect together. And Luke tells us that Jesus took uh, the cup, a second cup of wine, and he said that this is uh, my blood which enacts the new covenant, the new way of living where Jesus is enough. So serve one another however you do that this morning. And as you serve one another, you can share with each other, this is the blood of Christ shed for you take and drink. We'll give you a few moments to do that and to reflect together um, on what Jesus has done for us, and then I will call us back together for the remainder of our time.
Thank you for sharing in that experience this morning. I would encourage you for uh, some more time today to give yourself an opportunity, either as an individual, as a couple, as a family, to reflect on this passage in Hebrews 10, or to reflect just simply on the statement that Jesus is enough. Because of what he's done for you, you are worthy. You are loved. God can't love you more than he ever has. You are accepted. You are clean. You are forgiven. You are free to be with God every moment of every day. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be worried because Jesus is enough. And so the author says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. It's not about some written code that you have to abide by. It is that he has put these in your very being, that he himself is present with you. So enjoy the reality that Jesus is enough for you and for me today. Thanks for being with us today. I trust that this will be a a great experience for you. And I want to invite you to join us again on Sunday. Sunday we have, um, I guess, a special service planned. We typically 
make it a little more special with different elements, and this Sunday will be no different. It will just be online. And I would encourage you again, um, invite your friends, people who are, who are looking for hope in the midst of all the chaos going on, and I think we're going to offer that for them on Sunday. Thanks for being with us today. God bless each of you. We'll see you in a couple days uh, when we not only celebrate the cross, but we celebrate the empty tomb. Bye for now.